Whether you're the casual hockey observer or the epitome of a rabid Hawks fan, Blackhawks Live answers all your questions. It's just been a good sign this year that they all seem to be having fun, getting along, and working hard. I love those three things together. Joe Brand delivers the news, notes, and everyday gossip from the Madhouse on Madison. Here's Joe Brand. I love how each week the show's scheduling is a little bit in flux. You know, we have some other things we have to get to sometimes. Northwestern basketball, the NCAA championship, the mayoral debate, things like that. And a lot of times it comes after a Hawks losing skid where we're trying to pull out what positives we like from the young kids progressing, what Lucas Reichel did, what Isaac Phillips did well this past week. And last night, the Blackhawks end an eight-game losing skid, and I'm trying to justify it with a lot of fans out there. And listen, I get it. I get where the frustration is right now, but we're going to weigh out all the options and just kind of put everything into a different perspective because I'll ask again, what are the Blackhawks supposed to do? Not try to win? What is Luke Richardson supposed to do? Not try to win a hockey game? This is Blackhawks Live. I'm Joe Brand. Our producer is Jack Heinrich. We're taking you up to 8 o'clock tonight. We're going to be joined by Paul Capanigri. You might remember him. He's been on these airwaves before breaking down Hawks games. He does it a lot on the college scale. He's been doing that this year. He's actually down in Florida right now for the Frozen Four, which will kick back up tomorrow. And we're also going to talk with former Blackhawk Kyle Calder at the end of the show. And chat with him about a few things, what he's been up to. And something I want to pick his brain about is, you know, he was on those Hawks teams in the early 2000s. Obviously not the best Blackhawks teams in franchise history. So what did that team do to constantly keep morale up? What were the vibes like in that locker room? Because the vibes are pretty good right now in the Blackhawks' current locker room, even though the fans are frustrated with a victory last night. And again, I get where the frustration lies. I understand what is at hand with the possible draft. And apparently when I said yesterday, I had to remind everybody that nothing is guaranteed with the NHL draft because it is a lottery, I got quickly retorted saying, everybody knows that. Okay, if everyone knows that, I won't say it anymore. But I do want to pull out one tweet that I got earlier today, and I'm guessing it's based on the post-game show last night. If you want to hear the post-game show, you can find it on WGNRadio.com. You can find it where you find your podcasts. But it reads, Thanks, Joe, for trying to keep it positive, but these Blackhawks wins are going to completely screw us. Period. If we land fifth, it's a colossal failure of a season, and we'll just continue to have mediocre picks. Start scratching players and sitting goalies the last five. I do not think the season is a colossal failure if the Blackhawks beat the Calgary Flames and sweep the Calgary Flames at that. And I'll say this again, I think that was more of a Calgary Flames loss than a Blackhawks win. Give all the credit in the world to the Hawks. They worked their you-know-what's off. They were outplayed in the first five minutes of the game. They ended the first period ahead 2-1. They were outshot in the second period 19-4. to Calgary scored the only goal. We moved into that third period, seeing a 2-2 hockey game. And the Blackhawks come out swinging. They score the first two goals. And they really pushed Calgary to the wall. 
Now, I don't know what it is with the Hawks and the Flames this year and why the Hawks play so well against Calgary this season, but again, last night is evidence that Luke Richardson knows what he's doing, and he knows what he's doing with this hockey team that on paper shouldn't be beating a lot of teams, and they haven't. They just finished an eight-game losing skid, but it's still impressive. And it's still impressive that this team can rally and come together with six games left, now five games left, and take down a team in their home building who's fighting for a playoff spot that's got to gear up for an even bigger game in their next contest because Calgary's playing Winnipeg, who they are chasing for that second wild card spot. And I'll also say, this shows what Kyle Davidson is capable of, putting together a roster like this that can compete even if they're not supposed to be the best team on the ice. So far, what we've seen from Kyle Davidson and Luke Richardson shows a good sign. And even our producer, Jack Heinrich, came in as we were prepping for the show, and he's like, I'm with you. What are they supposed to do? What are the players supposed to do? Care to elaborate on that, Jack? Yeah, I mean, they, I, uh, when you look at the trade deadline, the guys that Davidson traded back for, they're fighting a great point. to be in the NHL. So. They're going to be going. They're going to act like it's a playoff game for them. They're going to be trying as hard as they can, and uh, they're fighting for spots too. So, I mean, I think you got to. I mean, obviously, it's frustrating because you want to get like a generational player that's in the draft, but they're still tied at the bottom. They're still in the top three. They have a shot. Uh, it's just you kind of got to look at the good with Richardson and this roster. Would you rather have the solid head coach or the or? Not. I mean, you see, you saw it last time with Carlton. He had all the talent in the world, and they struggled. And now Richardson's getting a lot of nothing. So I think you got to be at least happy with that. I think that's a huge outlier. And to the tweeter that posed the idea of sitting players and sitting goalies, if he sits Andreas Athen to see you right now, who's scoring like a madman, two goals last night, kind of had a lot of ups and downs of the earlier parts of the season. What's that going to show? about Luke Richardson as a head coach if he does that. That's going to get Athens to see you on his bad side, and that's that's going to get around. I, I said it last night. I do think that there is a variable that is, if the Hawks are playing this way right now, if they're able to rally up under Luke Richardson right now, I think that word gets around the league. And I think when the Blackhawks are ready to compete and are ready to start courting some free agents... They're going to be like, yeah, I want to go to that player-friendly, that that player-first coach. Well, you already Luke. saw it with Max Domi signing here because yep. he liked Richardson. So you could see him luring them. And if you want to sit the goalies, you bring up Soderblom or Stauber, and they've been really good. So I don't know if that's, <laughs> that's really, great good. Point. That's really going to help anything. The goaltending's been good, whoever it's been. That's that's a great point. And want to remind you all that Blackhawks Live is sponsored by Caesars Sportsbook. You bet you get. It's not even just the goaltending. Yes, the goaltending's been the most consistent aspect of the Blackhawks roster, but everyone's pitching in right now. Again, this is what it takes for this team to win. Everybody has to pitch in, and it's got to be all 60 minutes. Even though that really wasn't the case in the second period last night, which again, I think puts more holes in Calgary's game than the flaws of what the Blackhawks are doing right now. And listen, I get it. I want to see the Blackhawks land Connor Bedard. Of course I do. Of course I want to see them land a generational talent. It's still possible. If the season ended today, it would still be possible. If the Hawks won tomorrow in Vancouver, and I know people are gasping at that thought already, it's still possible. But 
and I'm going to get into more of this in my next segment because we got to get to a break. But I think what's important to reflect on right now is what this organization can control right now. And what they can control is Lucas Reichel's development, is Alex Vlasic's development, is seeing what type of coach Luke Richardson is in this type of setting. They cannot control the draft lottery. They cannot control what the Anaheim Ducks and Columbus Blue Jackets do. And if you want to say they can control a tank and control to to forcibly to forcibly lose, that's just not in anyone's DNA who's part of that team. It is not their job to be in a rebuild. These guys are hockey players. A lot of these guys don't know where they're going to be next year. You really think they want to just roll over and die these last five games? What's that going to do for their contract negotiations next year? Not good. I do want to talk about Lucas Reichel's development because I thought he made a great step last night and just has continued to as well. We'll also talk about Alex Flasic. Uh, we are giving away lots and lots of pizzas thanks to our friends over at Brew Pub. Uh, be sure to check out Brew Pub Lots and Lots of Pizza at your frozen section of your local retailer. We give away lots and lots of pizza coupons every week. Um, today's trivia question again Kyle Calder is going to be joining us at the end of the show. What year did Kyle Calder lead the Blackhawks in goals and assists? What year did Kyle Calder lead the Blackhawks in goals and assists? 312-981-7200 for your chance to win a brew pub, lots and lots of pizza. Probably the best frozen pizza selection out there. We talk about Lucas Reichel and Alex Lasik when we come back 720 WGN. Well, not quite sure what keeps the Blackhawks running, but I'm guessing it has something to do with how Luke Richardson keeps everything so loose in that locker room. I'm Joe Brand. This is Blackhawks Live. Our producer is Jack Heinrich. The Hawks have five games left on the regular season. Their next game tomorrow night in Vancouver. It's game two of this three-game road swing. As the Blackhawks head out west, they'll wrap things up on Saturday against the Seattle Kraken. I did take a look at the remaining Hawks schedule, the remaining Anaheim Ducks schedule, and the remaining Columbus Blue Jackets schedule. And if we're just going off of... Playoff teams, non-playoff teams, on paper, where these teams should be. Here's where I think the Blackhawks have winnable games still. And one of them is tomorrow against Vancouver. The other one is next Thursday, the season finale against the Philadelphia Flyers. They also face Seattle, Minnesota, Pittsburgh. But again, I think Vancouver and Philadelphia, on paper, I mean, this is just... Bare bones, not going too in-depth about the matchups or anything like that. I am not even putting into effect where the opponents will be in terms of have they clinched a playoff spot yet or not. But those are the two winnable games on paper that I see for the Hawks coming up in these final five. Anaheim also has two in my eyes. This upcoming Saturday against the Arizona Coyotes. That's in Arizona. And then next Wednesday, they play the Vancouver Canucks at home. The Columbus Blue Jackets also with two winnable games. Again, this is my basis of opinion. This is just taking a glance at the schedule. The Columbus Blue Jackets visit Philadelphia next Tuesday, and then they wrap up the year against Buffalo at home to finish the year. That's the other thing, too. Don't be surprised if this thing comes down to the wire. Hawks end their season next Thursday. The Columbus Blue Jackets finish it the following day. 
uh, from the 847 area code. Hey, get real. Fool's tanking to get Bedard. He best be Gretzky. Not quite sure what that means. Uh, maybe modern sports are past me, like you said, but this tanking to hope and get a kid is disgusting. Okay, well, I, I, I'm not going back and forth on this. I understand what the Blackhawks are doing right now. This is an important get, and other teams are doing it. So it's not like this is just some loose plan that the Hawks have constructed. This is a, This makes a lot of sense. But before we get more into that, I want to pull out things about Lucas Reichel's game. He had two fantastic assists on Andreas Athanasiu's goals last night. Troy Murray was thrilled about his defensive play against a good team like Calgary. I think it was Lucas Reichel's best road game so far in the NHL. And before we elaborate more on that, let's go to Keegan from the 331 area code. He's got our answer. Keegan, what year did Kyle Calder lead the Blackhawks in goals and assists? Oh, the 2005-2006 series? Hey, congratulations. Keegan, how old are you? Uh, 12. Is this your first time on the radio? Yep. Well, congratulations. You just won pizza. You did a great job. Oh, thank you. Where are you from, Keegan? Uh, Illinois. All right. (laughs) That's that's good man. Good man. All right. Sounds good, Keegan. Enjoy the pizza, okay? Okay. All right, congratulations. That's Keegan. Yes, Kyle Calder is going to join us at the end of the show, and we'll talk about a few things. But quickly, I want to go back into Lucas Reichel's game. Because, again, Lucas Reichel is something you can control right now. His progression, his growth, his development is something you can control right now. I had somebody tweeting at me yesterday, upset that Kyle Davidson called up Lucas Reichel at this time because the Hawks shouldn't be winning games right now. I, I totally disagree with that because Lucas Reichel's development matters more than the Blackhawks winning or losing games right now. That is something you can control. Lucas Reichel is part of this organization right now. The future, whoever the Blackhawks draft, this upcoming draft, is not known right now. I thought Alex Vlasic continues to make some good strides. And he's he's a good piece because it's an, it's an example of where the Blackhawks want to be, what they're trying to do, and kind of the biggest change that they've had in terms of changing the way they, they draft players, they look at players, what type of team they're trying to build. We know that Kyle Davidson likes fast players, and that doesn't just mean fast on the ice. It means fast decision makers, good with their hands, uh, can, can play and, and adapt to a very quick game. But if you also remember, Blackhawks kind of changed the way they drafted defensive players. They're going after bigger, stronger, more defensive defenser, <laughs> defensive defensemen. In the past, with the previous front office, it was more offensively skilled defensemen. So Alex Vlasic is one of those guys to keep an eye on. So is Isaac Phillips. I've really liked Philip Roos's game when he's been up here. Those are the things you can look at right now. Those are the things the Blackhawks can control right now. And that's more important than just trying to throw games. And again, I get it. I, I want to see Connor Bedard in a Blackhawks sweater. I'd be foolish to say otherwise. The number two pick, Adam Fantilli, who actually will talk with Paul Capanigri after the news about Michigan, the Frozen Four. We'll talk about Fantilli a little bit. 
I mean, that's the other thing. This is supposed to be one of the deepest drafts in recent history. That's why Kyle Davidson tried to stock up so much for draft picks this year and coming years. This year because it's a deep draft. Coming years because it gives you more assets. You can use them for future draft picks. You can use them for a possible trade. There's there's more flexibility. Because clearly, teams hold a lot of value in draft picks because look at how many Kyle Davidson accumulated this year. It's it's different than other sports where, all right, give me one of your prospects. Give me one of your hot shots down in the minors. Because they hold a lot of value to them. The, the current NHL organization that has them. We're going to talk with Paul Capanigri about the Frozen Four. We're going to talk to former Blackhawk Kyle Calder towards the end of the show. And we'll continue on this topic as well. But first, we've got to get to the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. David Jennings has your news next here on 720 WGN. Blackhawks Live rolls on here on 720 WGN. I'm Joe Brand. Our producer is Jack Heinrich. And the NCAA Men's Ice Hockey Championship, the Frozen Four, kicks back up tomorrow. Minnesota will take on Boston University. Michigan takes on Quinnipiac. And Paul Capanigri, who you might remember, he's been on these airwaves before, breaking down Blackhawks game, has been covering the NCAA Frozen Four. Cappy, what's going on, man? How are you? Uh, I'm good, Joe. I, I, I miss our days of talking about soup and, <laughs> uh, and whatnot and getting to judge that. I'm a little worried about your food taste, though, you know, with the, the burnt pizza and all. But I'm good. I'm in Tampa and the... Uh, about 90 degrees, living it up. That's right, that's right. Yeah, I've been making a lot of enemies with my well-done pizza preference. But yes, I also I also miss our uh, our, our soup conversations uh, over at the United Center. Uh, hey, Cappy, I know you've been following this tournament yeah. for quite some time now. Mm-hmm. Before we get into yeah. some of the specifics and some of the specific prospects, what I mean, just from the overall tournament, what, do you, what has impressed you most? Well, I mean, for me, you know, I... I spend a ton of my time with with big 10 network so i heavily invested there and and the big 10 is kind of finally kind of became the, the the king or the supreme conference in college hockey you have the same two teams michigan and minnesota who were in the frozen four last year are back there again this year um and then the the, the skill level i guess of you know your prospects as well as just these young guys all around college hockey that come in at 18, 19 years old and just, it doesn't take them any time to dominate. They just come in and they're ready to, to be elite players right away. It's pretty remarkable. That's pretty interesting. And actually, yeah, I mean, you you, you follow the Big Ten so closely. We, we can go ahead and start with Michigan. And I know Blackhawks fans are, are very interested in Frank Nazar's progression, considering all the time yeah. that he missed this year. What have you liked, or maybe disliked, about his game since coming back? Well, this, the one thing I, I think we're there's just a lot of um, kind of wait and see still on him. I think it was a bonus that he was able to come back this year. Um, you know, when we heard of the injury, it didn't sound like there was a great hope that he would come back. Um, so I think that everything that's happening right now for him is a bonus um, to prepare him for being at full strength next year. But as far as his game, I'd say he's about maybe, and I don't know that well just because I don't know his body inside and out, but I'd say he's maybe playing at 80% in terms of what 
you know, you're going to expect from him in the long run. I, I think his, he's, you're seeing his smarts and uh, hockey IQ right now, but you're not seeing his full potential with his physical play because, I mean, he's, he's, he's trying to recover from an injury and play. He pops in right before the playoffs and is expected to play at the highest level, and I think you're seeing a lot of great things from him. But, you know, I think next year is going to be when you're going to see him shining at his, his full potential. Wow. So last week we chatted with Mark Eaton, uh, Director of Player Development with the Hawks, and he was kind of mentioning that, that (laughs) Frank Nazar isn't used to not being able to give it his all at 100%, but he's kind of got to ease his way back into the game. So yeah, that that totally, I mean, that confirms it, but but that adds to it. Um, And that's got to be super difficult in a high-intense, high-competitive tournament like that. Yeah, and you know, he comes back and late in the season they're making a playoff push or playing in the top conference uh his first weekend was against the arch rival michigan state i believe they played the battle at the d which is a little season where it's a sold out arena he scores a beautiful goal in his second game and you're like okay you, you know you're seeing little glimpses of him of what he's going to be um I guess the one thing maybe this changes is his timeline, I guess, with the Blackhawks. You know, hmm. I think a lot of people were thinking maybe he plays two years at Michigan and then he's, you know, ready to, to break into the pro ranks. Maybe that changes it one more year. Maybe, you know, oh, I guess it depends on what happens next year. We'll, we won't know, obviously, until then, but it could back up his timeline. Maybe he plays three years at Michigan because he only played about eight games this year. Um, but those are really the only questions. And, I, and I'd say for Hawks fans, too, the other guys on Michigan that you'd have to be looking at, and maybe you were going to bring this up, is, of, of course, Adam Fantilli, the Hobie Baker finalist. Um, in, in most years, he's the number one overall pick in a draft, but obviously with Connor Bedard, it's a different story. And then a guy maybe that maybe Hawks fans haven't heard as much about, but with that late first-round pick, Joe, uh, Gavin Brindley hmm. is a, another Michigan player, number four. He's not a big guy, but he is fast. He plays, he's tenacious. Like He doesn't play like he's 5'9", five, 5'10". Nine, five, and what he's done in the second half of the year, which uh, is elevated, he started to score and put up points more. And uh, he's going to be someone maybe with that, with that Tampa Bay draft pick is a, is a guy the Hawks are going to have their radar later in the first round. Wow. Okay. Mark that one down. Okay. Yeah. No. I, I literally just wrote it down. I, I literally did. Um, Cappy, what about the? Well, he's a Kyle Davidson type of guy. When we talked to him last year, like you know, he likes the high compete guys and all that. Gavin Brindley fits that to a T. So sorry to interrupt. You. No. No. Hey, that's that. That makes a ton of sense. Uh, what about the Boston yeah. University guys? What about Ryan Green and uh, Drew Camesso? Yeah, I mean, Drew Camesso's just talking to him in person just seems like a super mature young man. He's 20, maybe 21 now. Um, and his mentality as a goaltender, I think, because goaltender is, is, is such a mental um, position, I think is is right on what you are looking for from a goaltender. So he has that. And then he has the physical attributes. He's a big guy. He's technically sound, but when he has to be athletic, he can be. Like I think he wants to, he wants to rely on his tech, technical being in the right spot at the right time. But when he needs to make a miraculous save, he can go out and be that athletic guy. I think if you, you watch maybe some highlights of him, you know, a YouTube save here and there, you'll see that. And then you know, Ryan Green, uh, a guy that I think the one thing you're looking for from him is 
is not even from game to game, but like maybe shift to shift or period to period is a little more consistency. Cause when you watch him, you see a lot of good things. Like he's a big, he's a bigger guy, he's six foot or so six one. He can skate really well. He's got the skills. Uh, it's just a matter of putting it on a consistent level for him. And he's a freshman, not all freshmen. Like I said, come in and just, you know, take the college world by storm. Um, he's a guy that's going to be, I don't want to say a project, but a guy that patiently you could wait maybe two or three years on, get him to play maybe three years in college, dominate college by his junior year because he has all those abilities with his skill and his hockey sense. Um, but I think he's a guy that maybe you could wait on a little longer, let him develop at the college level. And then as a grown man, he could come into the Blackhawks or if it's Rockford for a little while and uh, become a good pro. It's funny, Cappy, because I know you're a bit of a snowbird, and I, I know you get to Florida a lot. But I, I try, <laughs> and I, I saw where you were in social media, and I was like, "Oh, okay, good for Paul. He's getting some more Florida time." And I'm like, "Oh, wait a second, the Frozen Four is going on out there." So, little, uh, little work and a little play out there, huh? Good time for you. Uh, I'm, you know, Joe. I try to work the system as much as I can. <laughs> you know, this is kind of the end of the season. You know, the Frozen Four is the end uh, of the college hockey season. So. Um, yeah, I'll, I think I'm going to stay a few more days after, uh, the tournament ends. Um, but yeah, I, the one thing about Tampa, this is the third time they've hosted it in 11 years. So it's not, that's not by accident. They, it's a terrific place to come. Yes. The sun, the, the weather, but they do an incredible job here hosting it. It becomes a priority in this city. Like signage is everywhere. They meet the teams. Uh, it is like the number one thing going on. We were watching the news and they, they had, the sports was all about the Frozen Four, aside from the Tampa Light, Tampa Bay Lightning. So um, they treat it like it's the biggest thing, and it and, and it really becomes that. So uh, it makes it that much better an event when a city kind of treats it the way it should. And the Frozen Four has become a pretty big deal uh, in college sports. Yeah, and I was going to say, like you mentioned with the Lightning, there. <laughs> I mean, with how well the Lightning are doing, that's it's probably turning into a little good hockey town down there. It's I. I I, and most people have said this. I think they're bigger than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right now. Wow. The majority of Tampa people. And I'm not saying that just because I'm on a hockey show right now. It is, <laughs> it is, uh, it's pretty true on what goes around here. It's, it's pretty successful. Obviously, you got to win to do that. But, you know, the Blackhawks saw it in 2015. You know, they were pretty, pretty close. And a lot of those same guys are still around in the Tampa Bay Lightning. Vasilevsky ended up playing. I remember, I was at the 2015, the final game, and Vasilevsky ended up playing. Um, but yeah, they're doing things right down here. I think, I think Kyle's, you know, from what I watch now from afar a little bit more, you would know is he's he he would love to be the right the same kind of template as the Tampa Bay Lightning are, win cups and do it for a long period of time. No, for sure, and I'm sure now all they have to compete with is the, the only undefeated team still in Major League Baseball, the Tampa Bay Rays. So, I mean, it's... it's uh, uh, yeah, they're in St. Petersburg, so I don't know if they count as a... That's, uh, all right, all right. This is way too much Florida geography for this been, show. And have, you, and, have you, and have you been to that stadium, Joe? I have not, no, but I, I know oh, not, okay. not it's fantastic. It's actually not as bad as it looks on television. Yeah, <laughs> well, that that's for another show. That's for another podcast. <laughs> hey. You want to talk baseball? Okay. No, <laughs> but, yeah. Tampa, I mean, hey, they're they look yeah, they had they had the Stanley Cup, they had the Super Bowl, and then they had a World Series baseball team. So hey, that's you know, Chicago, that's the goal, right? No. To have all those. 
For sure. Hey, hey, Cappy, it's great reconnecting with you, man. Have a blast for this rest of the tournament, and have a blast for the rest of the time that you stay out there in Florida. You got it, buddy. Let's uh, uh, take two minutes off of that pizza cook. <laughs> All right, sounds good. <laughs> we'll talk to you later. That's All right, Joe. that is All right, buddy. Take it easy. Later, Paul. That is Paul Capanigri. Uh, you've heard him here on 720 WGN breaking down Hawks games. He's also uh, an analyst for the Big Ten Network. He does it for ESPN as well for college hockey. He's covering the Frozen Four. We're going to have Kyle Calder up next. Last stop of Blackhawks Live here on 720 WGN. Again, Hawks will play Vancouver in Vancouver tomorrow. It's game two of their three-game road trip. They'll wrap things up in Seattle on Saturday. I'm Joe Brand. Our producer is Jack Heinrich. And former Blackhawk Kyle Calder joins us on the show. Kyle, thanks so much for uh, squeezing in some time on your Wednesday night. Listen, a lot of Blackhawks fans are probably wondering what's Kyle Calder up to these days. So why don't you uh, refresh everybody? Uh, how are you doing? Good to, good to talk with you. Um, I just actually moved back out to Chicago. I've been living in L.A. for about the last 10 years. And uh, I got a call from a friend of mine, Steve Dry, at the Chicago Reapers, who runs a youth hockey program and started it about a year ago. And uh, right now I'm just coaching youth hockey, and my boys are all playing hockey there. So it's, uh, it's a great transition. I got into hot coaching out in L.A., and uh, I've been doing it ever since. So it's, uh, it's, it's quite fun, and I love watching the kids grow and get better and it's a real passion of mine, hockey. I love the game, and I love giving back to what, you know, it's got me. Uh... Heck yeah, that's what it's all about. Did you ever envision yourself as a coach, Kyle? Uh, not really. I, uh, not, yeah, not not so much at all. I wasn't really sure what I was going to do, but when I had retired, uh, the kids were all playing hockey, and so one of the dads just kind of asked me if I would help out, and I just kind of started helping, and you know, it's it's progressed ever since. You know, at the the A level and then the double A and then the triple A, and you know, it's just been quite a wild ride. I got to go to national nationals a couple times, and we actually won the Quebec tournament. Um, that's a major tournament across the the world at a pee wee level. So, you know, it's it's taken me quite a few places that I never thought I'd be going. So it's you know, and it's all due to hockey and. You know, the Blackhawks gave me a great opportunity with it, and I'm really just loving every bit of it. That's really cool. And uh, you were also in town for the Legends Cup. You you were on the winning team, right? I'm always on the winning team. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) That's right. I I had this written here. You're right. I I should have phrased it that way. Uh, That was cool. Who, Who was on your team? What was the most fun about that? Uh, you know, it was great just getting to see all the guys again. And uh, a lot of the guys were just coming in when I came in. Uh, guys like Brian Bickle, um, David Bowen, Dan Eager, you know, guys like that. But, you know, they got to win the Stanley Cups. And, unfortunately, I didn't get to win one with them. But, uh, you know, it was great seeing all those guys. Adrian O'Coin, who I played with, he was there. And, you know, that was, that was a great time. That is cool. Hey, did you uh, did you see Jonathan Taves during that Legends Cup? Because I know he was around then. And yeah, did you run into him then? Yeah, actually, we ran into him and uh, we sat down and had lunch with him. So it was uh, it was good. I, I met him a couple times when when I was just leaving. He was coming in, so I got to do a couple training camps with him when he was young. But he went back to uh, 
North Dakota to finish up school or one more year of school. So I never got to play with him, but, you know, I always I knew him. And, uh, you know, he's had a wonderful career. And, you know, I can't say enough about what he's done for hockey in Chicago. No, for sure. I bring it up because that was that was kind of the, the moment that Taves started um, progressing back to, yeah, he's going to return to the team. Luke Richardson was talking about just kind of how jovial he was getting to see his former teammates and familiar faces like yourself and being that kind of low-pressure setting back on the ice but, but with a bunch of uh, friends and familiar faces. I mean, did you did he seem a little bit more chipper that time? Yeah, no, he was uh, he was good, and I actually got to see him after with my boys down downstairs after I took him to the game on Sunday night against the Dallas Stars, and we got to go down and uh, I introduced the boys to him, and you know he had a big smile on his face. I, you know, he's a class act, and you know I think he's good with everybody that he comes comes into contact with, and you know I I saw a lot of positive on in his face, so that was awesome to see. That's really cool. We're talking with Kyle Calder, former Blackhawk here on the end of Blackhawks Live. Hey, Kyle, really quick, one of my, my favorite uh, situation stories is actually with one of your former teammates, and I'm, I'm pretty sure you were around this time with, with Steve Sullivan. I think you guys were in Colorado. He, he took a puck to the face, and then the fan made fun of him, and then that fan got a puck to the face just coincidentally. Were, were you there for that? Do you remember that? Yeah, I was sitting right beside him when it all happened. Uh, it was it was very ironic. Um, yeah, he took a, a stick to the face and it uh, split his nose open. He went and got stitches, and there was a fan right beside the bench, and he was you know kind of mocking him and making fun of him or whatever. And uh, late in the game, uh, Patrick Waugh came out to uh, rim the puck. And he fired it off the glass, and it hit the glass in the corner, and it came, and it was looking like it was going to come into our bench, but it went just out before the bench, and it hit the guy right square in the face and split him open for those six zippers. <laughs> that, it is it is one of the most serendipitous, just ironic stories, and the fact that it all got on camera is just is all that much better. That's that's a, a great rendition of the story too. I've never heard. Hey, Kyle, really yeah, appreciate it's on quite a. Yeah, I think it's on quite a few uh, channels, like Hockey's Greatest Moment yeah. Clips or Funniest Bloopers or something. It's always on. I love that clip. You're right. It, it keeps popping up on my social media, too. Hey, Kyle, thank you very much for taking some time. It sounds like we're going to be seeing you around the United Center, so uh, really looking forward to that and uh, introducing myself face-to-face. Absolutely. Sounds good. Thank you very much. All right. That is Kyle Calder, former Blackhawk. As uh, that's going to do it for Blackhawks Live. Again, the Hawks' next game is tomorrow against Vancouver in Vancouver. 9 o'clock puck drop, 8.30 FanDuel Sportsbook pregame show right here on 720 WGN. Big thanks to our producer, Jack Heinrich. Big thanks to Paul Capanigri. Big thanks to the Blackhawks, and we'll talk to you tomorrow night.